Hello everyone, welcome and welcome back to my channel. Amen. Um, I've got a juicy case for you today, coming straight from some sketchy East Asian traditions. Ever heard of these ghost matchmakers before? It used to be a common practice in ancient times, rooted in our traditional values around marriage and family. At first, it was out of kind, you know, found these. Died single women and men and matched them together, pairing up young singles who passed away is actually a bit of comfort for the families left behind. You know how sending off a child who dies young is just heartbreaking for any parents. While we can bring people back to life, some parents believe in a cycle of life and hope to find a companion for their departed children in the afterlife, and that's. Why they've got to mix match their past with children? It's a way to bring a bit of solace to the grieving families, and within this process, you know, you got to pay someone to fetch these died single people's information, as they didn't have internet back then. So you know how things go. People got greedy, and it turned into some bizarre and twisted stuff, staying far from the original intention of these ghost marriage thing. How bizarre! Well, for instance, kill the lively one and sell the body to exchange with some pennies. All right, folk, gotta lay down a heads up before we dive into today's case. We are talking about a situation involving an underage victim, so I will use a common English name as a stand-in for the victim. The perp, on the other hand, will get called out by her legal name. Now let's get into the spine-chilling story we've got lined up for the day. Back on the eighth of October, two thousand and four, in a funeral parlor in Shanxi Province, there's this teenage girl lying motionless on the floor. She's as pale as a ghost, not a hint of life in her. Well, by the look, next to the teenage girl, there was this plump middle-aged woman in her thirties, pouring her heart out to the two staff members, saying, "If it hadn't been for hitting rock bottom." I would have been here. We was jabbed for cash at home. Couldn't afford a treatment for my girl. The doctor said it was like tossing money into a pit if we kept going. Tell me, who wouldn't have felt for their own daughter? If there had been a way to save her, I wouldn't have been holding her here to your guys. One staff member spoke up. Well, your daughter's still breathing. We can't take in living people here. That's like. Asking for a one-way ticket to jail. The middle-aged woman glanced outside. It was getting dark. She wiped off a tear, then suddenly dropped to her knees in front of the two staff members, hands clasped together, bowing and pleading, "Just let us stay for the night. If my girl can make it through tonight, I will take her back first thing in the morning. I'm begging you." The two staff members exchanged a helpless look. It seemed like there was no other way. The night was closing in, and the funeral parlor was like in a remote spot. How was the woman supposed to get home with a fragile, half-dead girl? Besides, they had seen this kind of situation before, plenty of times. Now, China's vast place of all sorts of customs and quirks. 
But one thing most places share is the fear of death. In their neck of the woods, folks are superstitious about bringing someone on the brink of death back home. So many opt to take their loved ones to the funeral parlor, just waiting for that final moment to arrive. Makes it easier for preparing the departed. So the staff at the funeral parlors let them stay, clocked out, and there you have it. Another case of the living seeing after not so living. Wow, that's what I thought. Even for the folks at the funeral parlor who've seen it all, it still tugs at the heartstrings. The staffs took a look at the woman, simple and teary-eyed, and they didn't have a second thought. Self-partnered, they found an empty room for them to stay. Once inside, and the door shut, the middle-aged woman let a long sigh. But when she lifted her head, the sadness on her face had turned into cold indifference and impatience. She stared daggers at the girl, frustration building up inside of her. Why wouldn't she just kick the bucket? Wasn't she just blocking my cash flow? Oh, those sleeping pills couldn't do the job. Damn it! The family is coming tomorrow to pick her up. And if this girl didn't kick the bucket, I can't deliver it. That twenty grand is going down the drain. And this is my very first deal. If I mess this up, who's gonna come to me for matchmaking next? With that in mind, the middle-aged woman stamped her foot, made up her mind, thinking, "Looks like I will have to handle it myself." She dashed to the pharmacy, bought three sedatives, and injected them all into the girl, waiting for her to croak. Time ticked away into the wee hours. And the girl's pulse was still faintly beating. Maybe her will to live was just too strong; she couldn't swallow that last breath. That middle-aged woman didn't have the time to wait for that moment to come, right? She, getting desperate, yanked the girl's belt around her waist and wrapped it tight around her neck, pulling both ends taut. She maintained this position, not daring to budge. Fearing that if she let go, the girl might just come back to life. It wasn't until her hands went numb that she released the belt. But then she noticed a deep bruise on the girl's neck. The middle-aged woman's thoughts raced as she quickly formulated a plan. She dragged the girl's body onto a bench, letting the wooden armrest rest against her neck. This way, if the buyer and his crew noticed anything off about this girl's body, she had an explanation. With the merchandise finally prepped, the middle-aged woman felt a weight off her shoulders as she could finally smile with content. In the empty dark room, that grin looked downright wicked. Meanwhile, Mister Zhang in the village was busy at home preparing a wedding for his son, who died in a car accident. Yeah, you heard that right. Prepping a wedding for the deceased, Mister Zhang became aware of the superstition that burying unmarried individuals could bring negative energy and disrupt the harmony of the entire family. Wanting to avoid any potential issues. He decided to provide his son with a companion in the afterlife. His daughter-in-law 
was all set. She was said to be a real beauty and younger than his son by only one year. You know, perfect match even for the living one. Not even mentioned that. Tomorrow they would head to the funeral parlor to pick her up. Thinking about that, he glanced around at the festive decorations filling his house. Honestly, this dead man's wedding wasn't that different from a live one, except for the sorrowful expressions on every family member's face. The next afternoon at two, Mr. Zhang and his crew showed up at the funeral parlor for the bride pickup. The daughter-in-law did look pretty young, fresh out of mortal coil. Mr. Zhang and the matchmaker did a quick exchange, money in one hand, goods in the other. It wasn't a hefty sum, just twenty grand. Below market price, a little something for the matchmaker's trouble. And you've betted the matchmaker was that middle-aged woman who offed the girl the night before. Mr. Zhang has no clue his daughter-in-law had kicked the bucket just a couple of hours earlier. Maybe it was their first time pulling off this kind of gig, or they were just too jittery and rushed. They didn't really inspect the girl's appearance carefully, so they missed the bruise on her neck. Or maybe they didn't miss, but that doesn't matter, was it? They were just relieved and sad, bringing the daughter-in-law next to their son in a hurry. That night, the girl's parents still had no clue that their daughter was already dressed in a bright red gown, lying in a cold grave over a hundred kilometers away from home. The Lees were hardworking farmers living a modest life. Their other daughter Emily was a top-notch student in the village. Whenever Mister and Missus Lee talk about their daughter, they beamed with pride. Emily is so well behaved and diligent; really puts effort into her studies. We hardly need to worry as parents. To provide Emily with a focused learning environment and quality education, the Lees decided to send her to this private high school. It was one of the top private schools in the city, where many parents trusted their kids. To study, hoping for a bright future after a few years. However, life has its twists and turns. On the twelfth of October, two thousand and four, a phone call shattered the tranquil and hopeful life of the Lee family. Hello, is this Emily's parent? Emily asked her classmate to request leave. Saying that her father had a fatal accident. How is everything going? The call came from Emily's homeroom teacher, leaving Mister Lee bewildered. Everything was fine, was it? How could there suddenly be an accidental death of him, the one literally just pick up the phone, realizing something was amiss? Mister Lee quickly explained the situation to the teacher. And mentioned that Emily hadn't been home at all. It was just the start of the school year, and Emily had only recently travelled from home to school. Knowing his daughter well, Mister Lee couldn't fathom why the well-behaved and sensible Emily would make up a lie about her father's accident. That doesn't sound like his daughter. The more he thought about that, the more uneasy he felt. 
if Emily hadn't returned home or stayed at school, then where was she? When Mr. Lee rushed to the school, the teacher recounted the situation at the time Emily requested leave. It was four days ago. A woman claiming to be Emily's relative came to the school, found Emily, and told her that her father had a car accident, urging her to return home immediately. Emily then asked her classmates to help request leave and left with this woman right away. Upon hearing this, Mr. Lee quickly reached out to his relatives, but there was no luck. No one visited the school to pick up his daughter. A wave of unease instantly gripped him. Emily had been abducted. Realizing this, Mr. Lee and the school promptly contacted police to file a report. For a while, everyone was concerned about Emily's whereabouts. Simultaneously, worrying that their own children might be the next target of human traffickers, every school entrance was packed with parents fearing for the safety of their children. During that time, the Lee family felt the most anguish. After reporting to the police, their lives felt shrouded in gloom, and villagers frequently inquired about Emily's whereabouts. However, besides waiting for updates from the police, there was nothing they could do. The police acted quickly upon receiving the report, organizing manpower for the investigation. Remember when I mentioned that Emily's homeroom teacher said it was Emily's classmate who requested leave for her, not herself, right? Well, that classmate had provided some crucial information. Indeed, before Emily and this so-called relative left, this classmate had come out of the dorm with Emily to fetch some water. In 2004, living conditions in remote areas of China were not particularly good, even in a private school. Students living on campus needed to bring a thermos to the school cafeteria to get hot water to use back in the dorms. Recalling the incident, Emily's classmate said. The woman came up to Emily and told her that her father had died in a car accident. She grabbed Emily and asked her to go with her. The girl carefully recounted the details to the police, saying, "Emily seemed really anxious when the woman told her. She tossed her thermos to me, asking me to carry it back for her, and also requested I help her ask for leave from the teacher. After telling me, she followed the woman out." At that moment, I also glanced at a woman and recognized that she is our neighbor back home, and her name is Tang Sumei. With this highly valuable lead, the police perked up immediately, swiftly deploying personnel to investigate. Soon, they had the information about this woman named Tang Sumei. Tang Sumei was an employee, and she happened to be a neighbor of Emily's family. Her husband worked as a government official, while she earned income by selling vegetables at a market stall. Initially, there wasn't much interaction between Mr. Li's family and Tang Sumei, but because Tang Sumei's daughter was Emily's classmate back in elementary school, the two families were acquainted to some extent. After confirmation, it turned out that Tang Sumei was the one who went to the school. And took Emily away on the day she went missing. So the police quickly organized a team to apprehend her.
perhaps Tansu may feel guilty. When those silver handcuffs were slapped on her wrists, she didn't resist at all. The police took Tansu May to the interrogation room, and before they could ask many questions, she frankly admitted to abducting Emily. A guy used to work here wanted to buy her, so I tricked Emily and sold her to him. Tansu May confessed. With information on Emily's whereabouts, the police was stoked. They promptly investigated the supposed buyer mentioned by Tang Sumei. However, to everyone's surprise, this so-called buyer played dumb during police interrogation, claiming to have only bought vegetables from Tang Sumei, not girl. Moreover, a few days before Emily was deceived by Tang Sumei, this buyer. Had already returned to his own hometown in Shanxi, which is very far away from where the case took place, and had no chance of participating in any transaction. Tang Sumei's cunning left the deceived police dumbfounded. If they couldn't quickly uncover the true whereabouts of Emily, the hope of rescuing the child would diminish even further. On the nineteenth of October. The police conducted a second round of questioning with Tang Sumei. Faced with the police inquiries, Tang Sumei once again showcased her talent for weaving lies. She claimed to have sold Emily to a relative in the neighboring city through acquaintance. However, upon investigation, this information turned out to be false as well. Looking at this woman lying for the second time. Police were likely mentally prepared that Emily's fate wasn't as simple as being sold. In the following days, the police decided to change their interrogation strategy, targeting Tang Sumei's psychological defenses. Basically, they scared her with the consequences, legally and privately. You know, she could be potentially harmed by the victim's families and stuff. So after three days of this. Psychological warfare. Tang Sumei finally ad- admitted the truth. I killed Emily and buried body near a highway. In fact, while analyzing Tang Sumei's first two lies, the police had already deduced that Emily was likely killed by Tang Sumei. The police concluded that Tang Sumei knew that if she confessed to kill the child. She would not survive either, so she kept lying and deceiving us, saying the child was sold by her. After multiple confirmations, the police informed Emily's parents about Tang Sumei's confession. This news was undoubtedly a thunderbolt, delivering a massive blow to Mr. Lee and his wife. Since their child was deceived and taken away. The Lee family had been waiting every day for the police to bring their daughter back. We were just waiting for the police to find her quickly and bring her home. What grudge does Tang Sumei have against us to harm my poor daughter? The father cried. In just a few days, Mister and Missus Lee and their daughter were separated forever. On the twenty-first of October, Mister Lee and his wife. Followed the police to the burial site indicated by Tang Sumei. It was a desolate small grave, mound 
by the highway. As they were about to dig open this mound, an old man hurriedly stopped the police who were about to take action. What are you doing? Fortunately, the police had contacted the local village carers and learned that this grave belonged to the old man's son, who had recently died in a car accident. With the assistance of this village worker, the police cautiously began to shovel away the soil from the grave. The deeper they dug, the more tense everyone felt. Mr. Lee and his wife, with tears in their eyes, stared intently at the shovels, watching them excavate the ground. When the police asked them to come forward for the identification, Mr. Lee supported his almost fainted wife and tremblingly approached to look inside. Inside the coffin were two bodies dressed in bright red festive attire. One of them had already decayed and emitted a foul smell, making identification impossible. However, lying next to this decomposed body was none other than their daughter, Emily, whom they had been searching for nearly ten days. Seeing their daughter turned into a lifeless body was heart-wrenching. Mrs. Lee wailed loudly, fainting several times. Mr. Lee himself almost couldn't stand, nearly falling to the ground. Subsequently, the police also dug out Emily's old clothes she was wearing when she went missing. It was evident that someone had brought her here to change into these red clothes. Everyone present couldn't help but be deeply affected by the overwhelming grief of Mr. Lee and Mrs. Lee, feeling saddened and regretful for the cruel fate that befell a young life. Emily's body was found, but the questions that had haunted Mr. Lee's mind persisted. He couldn't understand why Tansumi wanted to harm his daughter. Why was Emily dressed like a bride and lying with a stranger's corpse? In the concluding stage of the case, Tansume details her motive for murder and the process of the crime. Listening to Tansume's account, the interrogating officer couldn't help but take a deep breath. The reason behind the demise of a blossoming young girl was for a ghost marriage. That afternoon, Tansume arrived at a school gate with hidden intentions. This was a fully enclosed boarding school, and the guard, seeing her as a woman, dressed well with a friendly face, thought she was there to visit her child. Without questioning, he let her in through the gate. Tansume headed towards the dormitory building. She was indeed having a child to visit, but it wasn't her own daughter. It was Emily, her daughter's former classmate, a 13-year-old girl. She wanted to arrange a marriage for Emily. However, this matter couldn't be known to anyone. Tansume waited outside the dormitory for Emily to come out. After about 20 minutes, her target appeared. Emily was carrying a thermos walking towards the canteen with a classmate. Tang Sumei hurriedly approached, feigning panic and shouted, 
Emily, your father had a car accident. Your mother asked me to take you to the hospital. Emily, being only thirteen, was alarmed upon hearing that her dad had a car accident, and her face changed color. She recognized this aunt before her. She lived in the neighboring village and was the mother of her elementary school classmate. It must be that her family was busy going to the hospital, so they asked her to pick her up. Thinking this, Emily handed the thermos to her classmate and said to Tang Sumei, "Aunt, wait a moment. Let me inform the teacher." Tang Sumei urgently grabbed her and said, "No need to inform the teacher." Let your classmate do it. Come on, hurry up! The, ho- the hospital is far away. And so Emily, without looking back, left the school with Tang Sumei and never returned. Tang Sumei led Emily onto a medium-sized van headed for the Linfen city. Along the way, she took out a bottle of drink and handed it to Emily. Then she pulled out a bottle labeled vitamin. And pour out over a dozen white pills, urging Emily to take them. Your mom asks you not to worry. Now take some vitamins to boost your immunity. At this crucial moment, you mustn't fall ill, or your mother will be distressed. Gratefully, Emily obediently swallowed pills with the drink. Little did she know, these were all sleeping pills. And even the drink had over twenty sleeping pills dissolved in it beforehand. Anxious and confused, Emily couldn't taste the flavor of the drink at all. Soon she fell into a deep sleep, and Tang Sumei became excited again. Little girls are so easy to deceive, and now she was one step closer to this twenty thousand Chinese yuan. What was Tang Sumei planning to do? She wanted to turn Emily into a ghost wife, marrying her off to someone else for profit. Tang Sumei's home, where she lived with her husband and two children, was only a few miles away from Emily's home. Her husband was a government worker, earning a modest salary every month. Tang Sumei didn't have a formal job, relying on selling vegetables to supplement the household income. Life was not. Affluent, but not difficult either, not to the point of resorting to doing something illicit. However, Tang Sumei harbored a competitive and envious heart. Every time she saw someone getting rich, she couldn't suppress her jealousy and resentment, fantasizing about holding a handful of banknotes herself. A year ago, her mother-in-law hoped they could contribute money to help her younger brother. Build a house and get married. However, Tang Sumei's family couldn't come up with the cash. Since then, she felt that her mother-in-law looked down on her and no longer treated her with respect. From that moment, make big money became Tang Sumei's sole life goal. By chance, Tang Sumei heard about something that made her aware of a lucrative business. There was an accident at the mine, and the guy in his twenties died. Since he wasn't married, his parents, upon receiving a compensation, quickly contacted a matchmaker to arrange a ghost wedding for him. 
the ghost wife of that young man was married off, but no one knew where the matchmaker got her from, and no one ever saw the girl's family. In the local context, it wasn't a new thing. People know that men in remote areas unable to find wives had to spend money to buy from human traffickers. While we have severe unbalanced birth rate of male and female babies in China, now finding a ghost wife was challenging, so they have to buy one from a ghost matchmaker. As it turned out, the parents of that young man spent fifty grand to buy a female corpse and arranged a ghost wedding for their son. A female corpse could be sold for fifty thousand Chinese yuan. It's insane, is it? This made Tang Sumei's greedy eyes widen, and she quickly pulled out a small calculator used for selling vegetables to do some calculations. How many months of her husband's salary did this amount to? Enough for her to sell like how many batches of vegetables? If others could make this money, why couldn't she? At the age of over thirty. Tang Sumei finally found her path to riches. At least that's what she thought. She wanted to be a ghost matchmaker. To explore the demand in the market, Tang Sumei deliberately spread false information around. A relative of hers had a young girl who had been sick for a long time, and she might not make it soon. The family wanted to find a husband for her. So she wouldn't die alone and could be rest in peace. After the news spread, her brother-in-law in Linfen City brought her the first and last business deal. The 14-year-old son of Mr. Zhang died in a car accident a few months ago. His family was deeply concerned and wanted someone to arrange a ghost wedding for their son. The compensation for the accident had arrived, so money wasn't an issue. Mr. Zhang and his wife were simply looking for a suitable girl of the right age, with the intention of, you know, their son deserved someone the same age. The news reached Tang Sumei through her brother-in-law, posting and turning along the way. When Tang Sumei heard that business was knocking on the door. She was excited and nervous. Without much thought, she quoted the price to Mr. Zhang. Twenty grand. Mr. Zhang didn't hesitate. Just twenty grand. But it needs to be done quickly. Unexpectedly, the money came knocking just like that. But finding a living person is easy. Marrying a deceased is difficult. Where could she find a suitable one? Seeing that the money she had in her hands was slipping away, she became anxious. Just when Tang Sumei was getting frustrated, the target appeared. One day in early October, Tang Sumei met Mr. Li on a minibus. Suddenly, she remembered that Emily, Mr. Li's daughter. Was in the same class as her daughter back in elementary school, and was the perfect age for Mr. Zhang's son. In this way, Tang Sumei silently locked in on her target. She took the initiative to chat with 
Mr. Li, and learned that Emily attended a fully enclosed private school, only returning home every two weeks. She thought this was a heaven-sent opportunity, since she had no other suitable options at hand, and Mr. Zhang was pressing her. She could only give it a try. If Emily didn't go with her, she would find someone else. If she did, then the relentless pursuit of wealth caused her eyes to turn red, gradually eroding her sense of humanity and leading her down the irreversible path of criminal behavior. On the eighth of October, with no guards around, Emily followed Tang Sumei. When they arrived in Linfen City, Tang Sumei's brother-in-law came to inspect the goods. Emily was still unconscious at the time, with faint pauses and breaths. As soon as her brother-in-law arrived, he sensed that something was wrong. They wanted a corpse who dares to want a living person. After saying this, he quickly left. It's impossible to speculate on how Tang Sumei's brother-in-law perceived the situation at the time. It is possible that he believed that uttering such a sentence might put an end to his sister-in-law's wrongful actions, bring her to her senses, and prompt her to promptly send the girl back. But things developed in another direction. They wanted a corpse. These words kept echoing in Tang Sumei's ears. Couldn't she just turn her into a corpse? Wasn't that simple? The alluring sight of banknotes swollen before her eyes, just out of reach yet seemingly attainable, seemed to drive her to an irrational frenzy of greed. Tang Sumei's mind was filled with money. With money, her younger brother could build a house and get married, and she could become a heroine in her mother-in-law's eyes. As if possessed by the devil, she forgot that she was also a mother. In her eyes, Emily was her commodity, needed to be delivered on time. To deliver the bright goods, she had to turn a living person into a corpse. And just a quick. Clarification about cremation information. According to Chinese law, unless there are special or religious reasons, all deceased individuals, whether Chinese or foreigners, must be cremated. But you know, in the vast expanse of China, some remote areas still can't fully implement cremation. So that's the groundwork of the tragic story we are talking about today. Wow, my video is getting longer than I expected, so I have to call it off here. Can't get into depth on why the hell Tang Sumei was so desperately wanted to please her mother-in-law. That's a serious social topic that I can't explain well without another forty-minute video. And thanks for watching. Like and subscribe, would you? Bye.